The Eternity Podcast Network. Eternitypodcasts.com.au Hello, I'm Jenny Salt, and welcome to Salt, a place where we'll enter into the lives of people and discover heartwarming, sometimes challenging, yet always distinctive gospel stories. If you said something, everyone would watch you, whether you would live up to how you would express yourself and talk. My guest today is Barry Hadley. Barry is the embodiment of Blue Collar Ministry. He began life in the smallest of country towns. He became the local butcher and graduated to living out Christ in one of Australia's toughest industries. Welcome, Barry. Thank you. Barry, you've travelled from down the south coast of uh, New South Wales. Where have you come from? A place called Oak Flats. It's between uh, Kiama and and, uh, Wollongong. uh, Well, that's uh, a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, it's at the bottom end of uh, Lake Illawarra. Lovely. And you've lived there for a while. How long have you lived in Oak Flats? Since I was three years of age in that, uh, at, um, in 1937, right. we moved there. You were three. Three. And so maybe more than 80 years. Yeah. That's a fair yeah. while. Yes. I wonder whether you can remember Oak Flats then and Oak Flats now. How has Oak Flats, the place, changed over the years? Well, Oak Flats... Uh, Mainly, it was it was a um, development that was opened by Staples and Company up here in Sydney. They bought the the land and developed it, and uh, that was in nineteen twenty. The first block of land that was sold in nineteen twenty, and uh, there was no. Um, Tarred roads or mm. anything. Mm. It was just all bush and tracks through the bush. You, if you wanted to get from A to B, and that you you picked one cow track and that, and and <laughs> away you went on a on the push bike or walked. And wow, I'm sure it's changed very much over the years. Oh yeah. So uh, water, electricity, none, none. Right, tank, tank. <laughs> Tank water and that, uh, yes. and uh, fuel stoves, and um, the lighting, and that was kerosene lightings. Mm. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Oak Flats? What What are some of your memories of childhood? Oh, it was good. You could go all over the place, and everybody knew you, and uh, you were friendly with everyone. 
father and that bought me a, a little bike, uh, 16-inch um, wheels, and I used to ride that around and it, and you, uh, you had um, limited um, friends and that uh, because of the population. And uh, so if the father was home and he, he wanted to um, get you to come home, he used to yell out and the sound, you you knew the sound of his voice and that. And, and uh, so, right, that dad's called me and it, so turn around and go back home. And, go back to that one of those uh, yeah. cow tracks that you uh, rode yeah. along. And you haven't really left Oak Flats since then. No. Why not? Well, I just liked it and I liked the life. I like the um, people that were there, they were country people, and um, the brother always had um, itchy feet. He went all over the place. Mm. and that, But, um, no, that uh, it just suited me. So yeah, yeah. Mm. It continued there. Mm. What about um, religious life? Were your parents religious and was it, was church part of growing up in Oak Flats? It was to a certain extent. There was um, a hall there that was privately owned and uh, the Anglican uh, Sunday School, we used to go to that. The superintendent was um, a chap called um, Daddy Ayers Daddy Ayres. Yeah, that was, <laughs> well. It's an used, unusual name. Ayres was his surname, but Daddy was the, everyone used to call him really? because he was old and yes. everything. And that yes. the churches were held in the hall monthly and uh, non-denominational. That meant that... Uh, the Methodists used to come one uh, week, uh, week and the uh, Church of England another. And the lady that was the postmistress, she had uh, run the post office store. She used to live just up the road and they used to go up and get, she had a little harmonium. Oh. And we used to carry that down. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was for the music. And yeah. The women were very important in uh, the early stages of, of church life in your memory. What did they do to contribute to the life in Oak Flats? Well, they um, formed themselves into the Women's Guild, uh, the Church of England, and then they set about raising money we had no land, we had no buildings, services had been held in homes. So they said about, first of all, they raised money to buy block of land. Then they raised money by making of cakes and street stalls and one to build a building. 
that was how St Andrew's C of V at Oak Flats came into uh, into be, uh, being. Wonderful. Do you remember Barry anything in particular of what you heard as a child in Sunday school, Daddy Ayres or others, what they taught? Uh, just the um, usual uh, Bible sto- uh, stories and uh, similar in it to um, what it uh, it continued on and it right up into the wife and I were married and it, we were teaching Sunday school then. Okay. Yeah. And presumably what you heard at Sunday school and how you saw people as part of the church living out their lives, when did you become a Christian, Barry? Well, I can't, uh, I think, uh, just came into Christianity, it grew and grew. I mean, some people have got a dramatic experience. Um, I remember we had a, a mission one time at uh, Oak Flats. There was um, a couple of ones got up and uh, gave their testimony and um, they asked me and I said, well, I can't pinpoint any dramatic what's name, but I... I just gradually, uh, as I learnt that, put it into practice in in Mm. my daily life. Mm. I remember you mentioning to me that Billy Graham, he had various crusades in Sydney. Sydney, And you went to one of those. Yeah, 1959. 1959. And you went as a Christian or at least someone who had been involved in church. Yeah, well, the mother asked uh, one time... uh, could you take us up? And I said, all right, I'll go. I was a bit curious as to what Billy Graham stood for. Hmm. So um, we went there and uh, the car load and uh, it began to uh, rain and I it was in the middle of winter and uh, I had a this big heavy overcoat on. It's pouring down rain and we're out in the open and it got through, wet through and it felt like a tonne of lead on the on your shoulders. Mm. And, that, and um, Billy Graham said, if you're going to come, come. Don't let the rain and it hinder you. And... Uh, so I um, went forward to confirm my f- faith and um, the chap that took me through was a um, real decent uh, chap and um, I um, made a c- commitment mm. that I would go back to, to my own church and uh, I kept that promise mm. And uh, I used to uh, correspond with him, and I, I've still got some of those uh, letters uh, mm. uh, at uh, home. Mm. It? That's wonderful, Barry. That was in 1959 yeah. that you confirmed your faith in, in Jesus and yeah. you committed to being involved in ministry, whatever that looked like yeah. from then on. Yeah, that's right. Um. 
while we take a quick break, let me introduce you to our Associates program. This special Wednesday morning program is for people over 50 who may have more time on their hands and want to dig deeper into God's Word without the pressure of exams or assignments. You can come to one lecture or a few or even come to all 12 weeks of lectures. There are different subjects covered each semester and you'll also join in with the Principal's Hour, our Wednesday chapel service. The Associates program started a few years ago and has proved to be a huge hit. For all the details, visit the studies section at snbc.edu.au and look for Associates program. So in terms of work life, for a big part of your work life, you had a a certain job. Yeah. What was that? I left school and I was a butcher in 1947. The local butcher, Annette, he gave me his job as apprentice. You sign indentures, etc. Right. An indentured apprentice. An indentured slave, maybe. Yeah, no, yeah. but not. <laughs> no. But maybe similar to that. The, the indentured apprentice used to do a five-year course. I see. If you were uh, an improver, what they call an improver, you started straight away uh-huh. to learn the trade. Right. And then uh, you, uh, as you improved, your wages went up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I, I was... was for um, uh, for a few years, you were an improver, or were you indentured? Improver. Improver. That sounds better to me. Yeah, but I got um, sick and tired of shop work. It was funny. There was a local dance there for Saturday night, and you'd go to the uh, dance and that for. Uh, entertainment and uh, I remember a lot of them and that the older ladies and that uh, put it they'd say that meat you sold me and that uh, the other day wasn't very uh, tender and that and uh, pressure was on Barry (laughs) in the progressive barn dance you you'd be (laughs) get all these what's names I've Sort of feedback. This is it. I'm going to um, go somewhere else. (laughs) Did your background, Barry, in terms of learning on the job as a butcher, apprentice, improver, learning about wages, did that uh, have an impact on you when you worked on the wharves? So really that was your life as a butcher led into that, didn't it? Yes. And you were a wharfie. As, yeah. as they're called, for, for 40, 40, years. 40 years. And when we think about working on the wharves, I certainly have an image of what a, a wharfie looks like and what I'm not <laughs> quite sure what a wharfie does. Um, what does a wharfie do? Well, I joined the wharves at Port Kembler in 1954. And um, when you, you joined... You went before a general meeting of um, 
four or five hundred uh, members. They give your background, what union you belong to and everything, and then you undertook by oath that you would, uh, if you were successful in joining the wharves, you would follow the rules of the wharves and uh, you would uh, do um, a fair day's work in mm. it for mm. a fair day's pay mm. in it. This might uh, be kind of a caricature, but I imagine men, all men, yeah. working, unloading or loading ships, ships yeah. with huge containers. And no, my, there was no, oh, no, no container, containers no, right. in the first place. Right. That came later on. It was all manual work. Uh-huh. It could be pig iron. Okay. Pig, pig iron used to come around and it was all in a ship. It was all hand work. Right, so like piece by piece rather than all in a container. So it sounds like it was very physical work. When you look back and think back to uh, working with uh, other wharfies, what sort of picture comes to mind in terms of the type of men and even the colours that come to mind? Well, the men, most of them, and that were um, people that had gone through the Depression and um, a lot of them are that uh, what hump the bluey is they used to say round uh, Australia, and uh, a lot of them and that came from um, different backgrounds and everything. Uh, there was Chinese, there was uh, Maltese, there were practically any um, nationality. We even had. Uh, solicitors and um, Jim Healy was an ordinary uh, worker and then he studied with the help of one of the um, ones that was an ex-barrister. They um, helped him get his degree. They might have started off as um, just ordinary workers but they they ended up, some of them did further studies themselves. So these, these are people who have gone from being a wharfie yeah. to being a solicitor to a barrister. Yeah. Now that would surprise some people, I think. Uh, well, in the Menzies era, yeah. it's hard to explain. The, the wharfies were very militant and... Um, you picked one wharfie, you picked the lot. Right. I must say I, I can imagine, and again, this could be a caricature, but I imagine it would be a fairly rough place. Oh, yeah. And, and I am wondering what it would be like as a Christian wharfie. Uh, what was it like for you? Because I believe you had a nickname, Barry, yeah. while you were on the wharves. What was that nickname? Well, uh, Bible Basher was one. <laughs> <laughs> but I was told that you had another nickname called Bloomin' Barry. Oh, the, that was one of the um, ones that the um, uh, chap that used to work with me right. gave, gave me. And why uh, would he call you Bloomin' Barry? Well, because um, being a Christian, mm-hmm. I, I'd say, say to myself, now right, the Warfies were great 
swearers mm. and uh, they, um, they'd they be swearing like anything. So mm. <laughs> I, I'd say, instead of swearing, mm. I would say blooming. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, so the, that's what he, um, he nicknamed um, this chap. Yeah. Did uh, nickname me Bloom and Barry. Yeah. It sounds to me, Barry, like your vow, so to speak, at the Billy Graham crusade yeah. of being committed, yeah. confirming your faith in Jesus, following him, yeah. that it flowed out onto the wharves. Well, uh, in other words, you practice what you preached. Exactly. exactly. And um, if you uh, said something, everyone would watch you. And you had to, uh, whether you would uh, live up to uh, how you would express yourself and uh, talk. And that. Mm. So when they'd tell dirty jokes and one thing or another, certain ones used to, to get you going. And uh, I'd... Um, used to um, absolve myself from it. I'd get up. If we were in the mess room, I would get up and I would walk outside and uh, I'd just stay outside until they'd finish and then I'd come back in. Mm -hmm. So um, if anyone has worked in the army or anything like, like that, they know what I am talking about. Mm. And they all knew what sooner or later what you because you were working with them all the time. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, I want to tell you about another podcast called Undeceptions with John Dixon. In this season, there are episodes like the Crusades or what it means to flourish or the history of religious freedom, or here's one that you might like to listen to, the Teenage Jesus. To find out more about Undeceptions or other great podcasts, go to eternitypodcasts.com. I love what you say about the importance of practising what you preach. Yeah. Um, and obviously over 40 years uh, you continue to be to some a Bible basher and to others, yeah. uh, you know, someone who is was known as Bloomin' Barry. Barry, uh, you and your wife, and you, you've been married um, for how, how many years now? 57. 57 years. Yeah. Barry, how did you and Oriole show love to the men on the wharves? Well, as I say, we were part of a community that there were wharfies that uh, lived at Oak Flats. And then when, when I was uh, on the wharves, I thought, right, this was a, um, an opportunity to witness to the seamen. And I used to be a member of the Mission to Seamen. We used to help different ones that had problems and everything. And this chap, he was a 
second engineer and that on on a Korean vessel. Some of them in the days that I was talking about, they would sign on for 12 months. And so I met him him and uh, had dealings with him. And he said to me one time, Australians were a bit um, reluctant to get involved with, with the um, seamen. And I said, why? He said, well, we go to the ports of uh, like Indonesia and other ports. We got something in common, mm. but we we uh, don't have much to do only through the mission to, to mm. seamen. Uh, so I said, right, when's your time off? And... Um, he said, um, sad day. I said, well, would you be willing, if I came and picked you up, would you be willing to come home with me mm. and have a meal and meet my wife and children? And he, he, he was dumbfounded for a while. He mm. said, you would do that? I said, yes. So I did. There was two of the um, children went out with me to the ship to pick him up and bring him. Uh, we had a barbecue and uh, and he never got a, over that. And each time he used to come into, his ship had come into Port Kembla, I would see whether he was still on it or yes. transferred to, yeah. to one of the other ships. Yeah. And he, they, we kept a, that um, going. And that's showing the love of Christ, Barry. Yeah. That's lovely. When you look back over all those years, 40 years on the wharves, um, life with Oriel, your wife, and your kids, and thinking about that commitment that you made to the Lord. Yeah. What do you love most about being a Christian? Well, I li like um, the fellowship and the interest in uh, other people. Mm. And uh, if you um, witness to people and you are honest with them, mm. then um, my mother used to say to me, you always drummed it into me, mm. Honesty is the best policy. Mm, mm. And um, I remember in um, one of the butcher's uh, friend, uh, bosses that I had, he said, you'll never make a good bu uh, butcher. I said, why is that? <laughs> he said, you're too honest. Ah, so you're too honest to be successful as a butcher. Yeah. Barry, you've lived a full life and hopefully many more years to come, yeah. but uh, it's so encouraging to hear about the way that you've lived out your life as a Christian, as a butcher, as a wharfie, as a husband, as a father. 
Yeah. And it's just encouraging to hear about uh, whether people call you a Bible basher. Well, it was a feather in the cap. It is a feather in your cap, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love what you say about uh, the importance of practising what you preach. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. That's okay. I hope you've enjoyed being part of the conversation with Barry today. And importantly, been encouraged to be salt and light to those around you. For our final episode for season four, I'll be talking to Tim Costello, not just about his high profile involvement in disaster relief, but the family life that set him up to love everyone made in the image of God. I'll see you then. Salt is hosted by me, Jenny Salt, and produced by Mark Hadley. Editing by Hadley Inc. For all show notes and more episodes, head to smbc.edu.au forward slash salt. Salt is a Sydney Missionary and Bible College podcast and part of the Eternity Podcast Network, an audio collection showcasing the seriously good news of faith today. Thanks for making Salt possible. The God of the Bible is a talking God. All throughout scripture, God is seen talking to people, first the prophets, then most fully in Jesus, and today through his Holy Spirit. When we choose to follow Jesus, the Spirit speaks to remind us of all that Jesus established and then apply it to our lives. So how does the Spirit speak? How do we know it's God? And what happens afterwards? I'm Tanya Harris of God Conversations. Join me as I explore what the Spirit is saying to us today. Everyday God Conversations will encourage you each week to learn from the God Conversations of Scripture, the ultimate God Conversation in Jesus, and how to hear the Holy Spirit for yourself. Subscribe to God Conversations at hopepodcast.com.au or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, it was never meant to be a one-way conversation.